Okay, so the Patriots get back to 500 with a 22-17 win over the Jets. They're 13th in a row. The Jets have not beaten the Patriots since 2015. Back in 2015, real quick, because I wrote about this and it made me laugh. The first movie in the new Star Wars trilogy, The Force Awakens, was in theaters. Barack Obama was in the White House, and I was covering high school football. So, suffice to say, it's been a while. The Jets are still the same old Jets, even when they're still ahead of the Patriots in the standings. This game, obviously, a big one for the Patriots. I didn't call it a must-win, but it's close, and certainly a must cannot get blown out. They do not, despite a so-so game from Mac Jones. But before we get to all of that, we're going to get straight to what you want to get to, which is trade talk. The NFL's trade deadline is Tuesday at 4 p.m. Right out of the gate, I expect the Patriots to stand pat. We are going to go through each and every position to say why it doesn't really work. And we'll hone in on the names that have been talked about and then the positions they might add to if they even do. Because when you look at the names that have been bandied about, rumors and reported calls and were there offers or were they just kind of, hey, what would it take to get so-and-so? The Patriots are not in a, you know, position of strength with any of them. Let's start with the receivers. Kendrick Bourne, breakout year last year, that's great. Still productive on a per-snap basis here. He's been treated like the fourth or fifth wide receiver in the Jeff chart all season long. Nelson Aguilar, definitively the number four receiver on Sunday, even after Devontae Parker goes out, he plays just 14 snaps. Then you look at someone like, uh, Isaiah Wynn. He's allowed sacks in now five straight games, as we illustrated on the last pod. Teams always need offensive line depth. The Athletics' Jeff Howe came on this podcast and said that as much. He thought a mid-round pick might even get it done. I said it might take you know a third and a third gin and tonic from that GM to make any kind of offer, but we'll see. Um, Jabril Peppers mentioned by Pro Football Focus is Doug Kide, front of the podcast. I don't see it there with the way that Peppers has played and specifically on Sunday, filling in for Kyle Duggar, who's now missed two games. But overall, aside from the specifics in each of those players, you look at this roster, and it's really just best position to make a run in 2023. So the Patriots are not going to sacrifice any future capital. They rarely have ever do that anyway. Secondarily, you look at the way that they're playing now, not only just a second-year quarterback in Mac Jones, you're playing a lot of rookies, you're rotating at positions to get those rookies snapped. You look at the end of the first half against the Jets. Jack Jones and Jalen Mills are standing on the sideline. Your top two corners hanging out. Jack Jones without a helmet on. Jalen Mills just chilling. That is highly unusual for Patriots defense. It A, needed that win. B, still coached by Bill Belichick. And C, is looking at the rest of its depth going, we don't really know. But they want to get Marcus Jones some snaps, third-round rookie, knowing he's going to play a bigger role next year and not even just as a returner he had a great game on Sunday as a returner they're rotating at linebacker they're rotating at corner you're seeing some at safety okay and obviously no longer quarterback but the point stands the Patriots are not playing for next year but they're still setting themselves up between those rotations now and their cap space which remains in about the top six or seven I haven't checked in a while in terms of most money available to spend they're going to spend next year because the window with Mac Jones's rookie contract is closing little and little by the day. Next year in the third year, you really got to maximize that window. So that's, again, largely why I think they're not going to do a whole lot. If they do, let's just go down to the positions. Now, quarterbacks, no. Running backs, we got the top tandem in the league, Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. Yeah, okay, Harris is in a contract here, but you look, they just drafted two running backs. You could roll with Stevenson and Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong next year. 
add one in free agency. It's a loaded class, by the way. So don't discount Damian Harris just up and leaving because his contract's up. His market is going to be super depressed by everyone else that's out there. You could land one in free agency or draft a rookie. You know, if they get blown away by an offer for Damian Harris by some team that is somehow still in the year 2022 of our Lord, uh, investing in running backs, go ahead. But the 49ers who probably lead that list just got Christian McCaffrey. On to receiver, we just talked about it. You're not selling from a position of strength with Aguilar and Bourne. Their numbers are down. You do have a logjam there, though, with Tyquan Thornton, who we can tell they really want to play. And I think you want him to play, and I want him to play. We want to see a kid who's got legitimate 4-2 speed get out there in the field and open up this pass offense. So if he's going to play, Jacoby Myers is going to play, and Devontae Parker, so long as he doesn't sprain his knee in the first play and sit for the rest of the game, is going to play. You've got to shift, and they could rotate, like we just talked about the way they're already kind of planning and positioning themselves for the future. But that really only serves Tyquan Thornton, who's pretty much carved out a full-time role anyway, when you look at his snap counts against the Jets. So, yes, it could be Aguilar, whose contract is a little prohibitive and I think wouldn't fetch anything more than a seventh. Even then, you're probably haggling, you know, over uh, price and how much of the salary stays with the Patriots and how much they're willing to eat. But then it kind of defeats the point of shipping him off because ultimately, just mentioned Parker got hurt. You know, Devontae Parker's going to get hurt. That's what he does. Tyquan Thornton already missed time. Kendrick Bourne just got back from turf toe. Okay, all of these guys are going to cycle in and out. The Patriots have good depth of receiver, but it's still not that good where you can just ship these guys out. But of course, it's a possibility. Tight end, no, totally financially prohibitive. These guys are locked in uh, for 2023 at least. And again, you're also selling low. Like, you know, Hunter Henry, one catch for 22 yards. That was, you know, a, a big deal on Sunday. That shouldn't be a big deal for a player of his caliber. Offensive tackle. Okay, this is <laughs> this is going to take a minute. I mentioned when... A sack allowed in five straight games. He's now been benched for Marcus Cannon, who started against the Jets. Isaiah Wynn rotates. They've been rotating. His first pass blocking snap, snap, he gets dropped right into Mac Jones's lap. Fifth sack allowed in five straight games. The thing is, though, he then comes back in. And for a little bit of right tackle, when Marcus Cannon was bumped out as a jumbo tight end, but also to left guard, because holy hell, was Cole Strange bad on Sunday. And it's interesting because Wynn told us after the game that he had practiced at guard. He wouldn't, he wouldn't offer much else because that's not what Isaiah Wynn's doing in any sort of capacity, which is prerogative. You don't have to talk media. He's been curt, to put it kindly, dating back to the spring. Won't say he's happy in New England, just says, I'm here. But if the Patriots are confident enough to move him, you know, of course, the right tackle, let's just say that's not working out. Then all the way back to left guard, okay, is that a player you really want to give up? knowing Marcus Cannon's well on the wrong side of 30, was out of football until you signed him in September, and also just gave up five pressures, and you go, okay, Yanni Kajus, why don't why don't they just keep him and start him? Has Yanni Kajus shown you much in three and a half years of being on the Patriots roster? Because it's been three and a half years that you feel good about starting him at right tackle. I wouldn't. This is a case in a, a worse version of the receiver scenario where you just go, we're better with strengths and numbers. You don't love any of the particular options, whether it's Aguilar stepping in as a third receiver or sometimes Tyquan Thorne's going to be invisible. Same with Monte Parker. But you like having options. I think it would be uh, roster management malpractice if you were to give up Isaiah Wynn for anything less, frankly, than a third and just count on Marcus Cannon, Yandy Kajus to carry you into what's going to be, according to Pro Football Focus, the hardest 
schedule against opposing defenses the rest of the way in the third hardest schedule against opposing offenses, because look, Mac Jones is already spooked. He's already an exact clobbered six sacks against the jets. You need to firm up that offensive line, whatever combination that might be. And we'll get to a potential combination moving on bottom line. I wouldn't do the deal. I don't think they're in a position to do that. You don't sell off an offensive tackle, even though every single team wants one for a high pick when he's given up a sack in five straight games. Offensive guard, no, on when who's playing great. Strange is a rookie. Ferentz is your backup. David Andrews is your center and captain. No, Ferentz is backup. Moving on to defense, defensive tackle. This is a maybe for me, but not in any sort of grand way. Like Christian Barmore misses the last couple of games, and they feel it against Chicago, less so against the Jets when they're getting after Zach Wilson of 40% of his snaps. The only thing I would look at is maybe a rotational run stuffer, and that's just because, A, the cost is going to be low. You're talking again, conditional late round pick. But Carl Davis just played six snaps against the Jets. And you go, okay, well, it was just against the Jets. You know, he'll play more in other games. He did against the Bears. They played a ton of base defense. He was out there a lot. I think it was close to 24 snaps. The difference is he's not going to play that much or any player in that role is not going to play a whole lot versus the likes of Buffalo or Miami teams. You need to get upfield and get an interior pass rush. He's going to be in there when Don Gacha needs to kick out the defensive end because you're in a three, four front and he can take on the nose of 320 pound player. I think Carl Davis is fine for a player who's somewhere between the 48th and 53rd in your roster. And the Patriots have bolstered that uh, before adding defensive tackles. You go back to the years, even at the trade deadline, Isaac Sapuaga comes to mind. Uh, Jeff, I think, mentioned them a couple or about a week ago on the pod. But the point is, if you have Barmore back, you've got Lawrence Guy, Devon Godchow, Christian Barmore, and Carl Davis is your fourth defensive tackle. Unless you're going to release Carl Davis, I just don't think it's going to happen. You look at the edge, this is going to be where the cost is prohibitive. You're not selling um, from a point of weakness. But Robert Quinn just went for a fourth, and he had the last year of his contract chopped off by the Eagles. We're happy to have him. Because that's a move that you make when you're a buyer, where you're a contender, when you're looking to push yourself over the edge. The Patriots have just run down several positions. You're like, yeah, this is fine. Like, this is okay. They're, they're good. They're solid. They're not in a position to really sell off or do anything with. And so I just don't think it's ever going to come to that. The upside is the outside linebackers are starting to come on a little bit. The 2020 guys, Anthony Jennings had multiple pressures against the Bears. He's playing a lot more in early downs to help spell Matt Judon and doing a good job. Didn't play a ton against the Jets, but you know who did? It was Josh Uche, who finally got a sack and also had a couple other pressures as Zach Wilson and is dropping into coverage and looking pretty good. So I'm not going to take the bait on Josh Uche like I have the last few preseasons and projecting maybe him for a 10 sack campaign last year. But there's enough momentum here where if you're the Patriots, you can talk yourself into, we can play those guys 10 to 12 snaps. Why are we going to give up a six or someone and a pick upgraded that position, unless it's a cost control deal, you know, where we're not playing, paying a premium. And that's really just the standard at the position. Look at the deal Von Miller got Von Miller, obviously future all our famer, any of the defensive ends, any year, any kind of market, they're getting paid. The Patriots are not doing that before they get to take their pick in free agency come the spring. Moving back to linebacker, inside linebacker. This is the number one position I would be looking at. I said it with Jeff if I'm the Patriots because Juwan Bentley, it's solid. He's unspectacular. Everybody knows what Juwan Bentley is. Nice pick, by the way. First since his rookie season, hats off to him. Mac Wilson 
has enough of that physical talent that again, if you're the Patriots, you can talk yourself into of, you know, his games against the Ravens and then the Packers when he's getting benched. We'll move past that. Gerard Mayo is going to coach him up. There's enough raw tools there. Jelani Tavai's bouncing in an outlook. We both know the Patriots love Jelani Tavai more than you and I. It's fine. But there, there's no playmaking there. Okay. Everything is solid. It's okay. It's fine. It's like the height of all that praise was for Juwan Bentley. Unspectacular, solid, good run stuffer. I just don't know now after Roquan Smith gets dealt to Baltimore. And Roquan Smith is a good player. He's not someone who's going to be making Pro Bowls annually or going and, you know, is you have to circle him on the game plan on Wednesday in meetings saying we have to stop this guy. I got to block Roquan Smith on every single run, you know, look for him in a way that, you know, he could grab a pass if we're not careful. Good young player. He just went for a second and a fifth. And so the Bears are rebuilding. The Ravens trying to push themselves across the line as a contender. Who's that player? I'm not sure. Would I discount the Patriots doing that? No, clearly it was a priority. Their first move of the offseason, in case you forgot, was cutting Kyle Van Noy and then trading for Mac Wilson. It's a position they saw a need at. It's still poor, but I think they're going to count on the moves they've already made, saying we made the right call then. We just need to give it more time versus, you know, hitting a panic button and, and sending out anything remotely close to a second and a fifth. Uh, safety, no. Strongest position on the roster. Even when Kyle Duggar, whose injury just couldn't have been worse, had a huge long story ready to go on the feats of Kyle Duggar, misses a game. Jabril Pepper steps in, game high eight tackles. And he didn't, he didn't play particularly well against the Bears. And supposedly he's getting calls. Maybe you do sell a little high. But he's a guy that blitzes well. He's strong. He's athletic enough and man-to-man. He can play in zone. He's playing a ton on special teams. Like I think you just roll with him. If he's your fourth safety, you're doing okay. Corner, uh, your your top three corners right now, or three of the four, not including Jonathan Jones, are going to be back next year. If you're already rotating them, I think the Patriots would always take a good corner or a developmental player. The problem is, again, just like offensive tackle and just like edge rusher, the cost is going to be, I think, too high for the Patriots to go. We're four and four. We know we're four and four. We've got a hard schedule coming up, and our best bet is not this season, but next. You're really not selling anything off unless you have a team that falls in love with the Kendrick Bourne or say Isaiah Wynn and gives you some kid in a pick to make that happen. And I just don't think it's really going to work. So again, I think they will be quiet. That was a very long way of saying that at the deadline, but now's the time to fantasize. Now's the time to draw up your own trades. If you've got any questions, feel free to hit me on Twitter. Um, because like I just outlined for you, I don't have much in return. Hey guys, just a quick break from a football podcast to remind you basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores. Plus giveaways, free giveaways all season long. You can always find the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, including the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Yes, yes, they're still playing golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50. Again, that's CLNS50 to receive your rewards at BetOnline, where the game starts. So. What I do have, though, is a ton of notes from Pat's Jets. And I have my longest film review, maybe ever. You go back to my Mass Live days, 2018, good year for the Patriots. And 
I just dove full in because this game was, look, a lot ugly, but a little bit fascinating because this was a Belichick game plan, even if he's still spending most of his time with the offense, as much as any game in recent memory. He took what Zach Wilson is and wants to be and refuses not to be and turned it against him. The Patriots blitzed just five times by my count. What they did do instead was play a ton of cover two and step back and ran a lot of creepers, which are these four-man rushes where you take not someone on the, the line of scrimmage and rush them, not all four of them. Three of them go, one drops out, and you replace that fourth rusher with someone from the second or third level, linebacker, safety, or corner. So you keep naturally seven in the back, but you you know bring a little bit of a surprise and variety with your rush. These creepers combined with all those cover two looks that said, hey, Zach Wilson, you might have one of the best arms in the league. You might love getting outside the pocket. That's great. You're not going to do that because of all the cover two we're playing and all of the different rushes we're going to bring with these creepers. It could be a slot corner. It could be a safety. It could be two inside linebackers, crisscrossing in a, a dog X blitz coming up the middle while both outside linebackers, even Matt Judon, drop out. And this works largely to perfection. The Jets got one long pass to Garrett Wilson in the first quarter against cover two, and then through their touchdown, Andy Man covered against Josh Bledsoe, who then gave up the second one. Bad day for Josh Bledsoe. But ultimately, this worked because Zach Wilson gets impatient. He loves his arm. He loves showing it off. And ultimately, when he gets frustrated, he'll throw his first interception against a creeper and with cover two behind it, right to Juwan Bentley. And then frustrated that he has to keep throwing balls away because there are so many guys in coverage, and yet the Patriots are getting to him with their bass rush. He'll throw it lazily in front of the sideline, just inside the marker enough for Devin McCourty to grab it. And then a little later, he'll throw a ball way downfield because I'm Zach Wilson and I can make this throw. No one else can. He'll watch me go, and that'll find Devin McCourty too. And so the Patriots just waited. They waited him out, and he self-destructed while Mac Jones – Oh, I promise we'll get to in a bit. Distributed. He played point guard in a very flawed way, but was a game that helped the Patriots avoid losing more than Zach Wilson steered the Jets straight into loser avenue. Okay. So the Patriots defense, the good from this game, they got a ton of pressure without blitzing 38% pressure rate. Excellent. Lots of different creepers. Like you mentioned, cover two. And you look at some of those rushes, Matt Judon, five pressures, Dietrich wise, Four pressures like this was a bad offensive line and they took advantage offensively Woo! if you've been listening to your podcast you know Ramondre Stevenson is coming and, and probably has arrived at this point because this dude had 71 yards rushing okay and he had 83 yards rushing after contact so the Jets whose defense played well probably just as good as the Patriots forced the Patriots into negative plays on one out of every five snaps. And it would have been more had it not been for Stevenson, who's getting contacted in the backfield behind the line of scrimmage and turning those negative runs into 12-plus yards downfield. Again, that's 71 yards total rushing. But from the moment he got contacted, he gained 83 yards total. That's a guy who's creating on his own despite a terrible performance from the offensive line and is a guy that you can ride, which the Patriots did, because Stevenson and Jacoby Myers against the Jets Counted for more than 70% of the offense. If there was a middle category, we put Jacoby Myers in there um, because, look, he he led the team in receptions. 
you know, he had the touchdown. He's Mr. Reliable, but he was also at fault on the interception, which Mac Jones looks like he's throwing to the Jets. It has Jets money line, and there goes a pick six, and it's 17 to three. And holy hell, the Patriots season lost. Jacoby Myers running an option route. On those routes, he's supposed to run away from the leverage of the defender. He went straight up, went left into open space, and then suddenly stopped and curled around behind him. Mac Jones is looking at Jacoby Myers going, oh, great, he's going left. And he threw in that direction. Instead, the only player in that area was Jets corner Michael Carter. So that's on Jacoby Myers, who otherwise produced. Uh, if you want to see how they scored that touchdown, it was a cool little design. Put it on my Twitter. On to the bad. Offensive line. You knew this was coming. 20% of your offensive plays go backwards. That's one out of every five plays. You just have a timer go off and you just say, hey, you know what? Time to take a knee because that's exactly what happened. You had Cole Strange getting benched. Two holding penalties, a sack, a run stuff, and a hurry allowed. Marcus Cannon, five hurries allowed. Isaiah Wynn, another sack. Drink. <laughs> James Ferentz, sack allowed. He played actually okay. Michael Wenu, two run stuff. Trent Brown, God bless him, clean sheet. Um, the bad also, I would just say the reliance on Myers and Stevenson. We're not going to stay here because, again, Stevenson was outstanding. Myers was his usual self, save for a couple critical situations. But you need more Kendrick Bourne. You need more Hunter Henry. You need more Tyquan Thornton. Even though the Jets played a ton of two high defenses, they're going to keep a lid on a lot of his different routes. And you'll notice the one catch that he did get was a comeback round. Third quarter, first drive, 11 yards, because they're afraid of his speed. I'd look for a lot more of that. Because all it really is, is is just a deeper version of the out route, which Mac Jones threw more of those maybe than any other NFL quarterback in history last year as a rookie. It was a go-to play. Quick timing route, boom. Step, throw. Wait another beat. Let this kid with 4-2 speed fly up the field, stop at a dime, come back. That's going to be there a whole lot the rest of the season. Okay, now on Mac. Um Look, it's hard to play quarterback when your best receiver on fourth down um, is, is not running around, which is what happened in the failed fourth down right before he throws his pick six that gets negated. It's hard to play quarterback when that receiver then again, as I mentioned, is running the wrong route. At least it's a route this time on that play and you have a pick six. And it's hard to play quarterback when you're getting pressured 35% of the time and sacked six times. That said, Mac Jones did not play well. He played better, certainly, than what we saw against the Bears in a teeny tiny sample. But a teeny tiny sample is really the problem here. Because, yes, it's true. It looks like Mac Jones has regressed. And you could pull up a ton of numbers. You could go big picture in terms of completion percentage or his yards per attempt. Or you get more into the weeds. Completion percentage over expected. Or his numbers off play action. What are, what's his time on passes where he's holding onto the ball two and a half seconds or later? My response would be, I still don't care a whole lot yet because there is so much noise in those numbers, meaning that there's interference from the likes of bad offensive line play or Matt Patricia learning on the fly as a play caller weeks one through three, and then growing up a whole lot weeks four through six and his high ankle sprain, which clearly affected him against the bears. So if you want to go out and declare Mac Jones, has regressed, he's worse this year. He's proven he's not a franchise quarterback. I'm not going to try to stop you. Look, I did that. I'd be wasting all of my time on Twitter and other different places. I'm just saying this game against the Colts for me, after he played so-so, not great, so-so against the Jets, is going to be much more telling because this is a simple defense. 
where he'll be able to have easy access throws if all the fundamentals and the timing and the communication are on point. And this is a defense the Patriots know how to carve up because this is a cover three defense by Gus Bradley. Okay. And if you know anything about the Patriots and how they face certain coaches and schemes and systems, they carve up this cover three system. Now, the question, of course, will be the offensive line play, but that's really the big confounding variable here because it's hard to evaluate a quarterback who's just either afraid or has a real right to be afraid from all this pressure. That being said, with all the different variables and interference and noise, the one constant this year with Mac, offense changing coaches, et cetera, has been his play under pressure. It has been horrendous, okay? If you read me last week, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, bottom of the league according to pro football focus in their performance under pressure. They're turning it over. They're misfiring passes. They're taking sacks. They're running away from plays that wouldn't be sacks. That's got to get better regardless of what's going on around him. And it was atypical of him in college and last year, which again, to me, would indicate that with more time, that player is going to come back. And with more time, that ankle is going to heal. Because supposedly, he's still got numbness in his toes. And that, I would think, just like it would affect you walking on the street, is going to affect him playing quarterback. And I might sound like a Mac Jones apologist. That's fine. I'm just trying to put into context all of the different things that have gone around him and to say, on his own, he's not played well, but on his own, he still played just four games. Okay? I want to see in a larger sample with him playing continuously as Matt Patricia gets better and they try to sort out whatever the hell's going on with the offensive line. What does he do then? Because we get to the halfway mark, play the Colts, then you hit the Jets again, then you got to play, I think it's the Vikings, then we'll know. Okay? Then we can start talking. Because you know what happens around Thanksgiving when the Patriots play the Vikings? That's when the real football starts. And that's when I think we can start making a real evaluation of Mac Jones. Okay, real speedy. Game ball is from Andre Stevenson. No more said. This kid is outstanding. Broke six tackles and averaged 4.88 yards after contact. Dem McCourty, two picks. Salute to the captain. Special teams coordinator Cam Accord. We have not talked a lot of special teams in the podcast. I didn't write anything about it in my film review, which was the best special teams performance of the Patriots season. Just how it goes. Newspapers, which still exist, have limits on space. And online, they can change it, whatever. But the bottom line is Jake Bailey bounced back. Two of his four punts down inside the 20. Great touchbacks. The Jets didn't start a drive outside their 25, I think either until late or maybe all game. So that means your coverage units are playing well. Your punt team, your punters playing well. Kickoffs are going well. Oh, and Nick Folk, fourth game ball. Nick Folk, five for five. Not just five for five today, five for five for the second time this season. So that is special teams all the way around. Game ball goes to Cam McCord. And of course, Bill Belichick passing George Hallis finally, which brings us to everybody's favorite segment, old NFL films. So last time we left off, NFL films was talking about how the ghost of Hallis stopped Bill Belichick. Well, I don't think he's a Pat's interference listener. But that is exactly what Robert Kraft had to say in the locker room. If you saw the video, the Patriots produced after their win over the Jets, and he's handing out a game ball to Belichick and takes this kind of like winding monologue in front of the team that might sap the energy out of the room for just a little bit. And he talks about, oh, George Hallis, Papa Bear wouldn't let that happen. Well, he didn't. And NFL Films is saying that, just as we said NFL Films would last week. But moving on, Belichick beats the Jets. 
I think NFL films make note of Mac taking a ton of hits because look, it was 10, three, uh, 10, six at halftime. Okay. He was getting the shit beaten out of him. Okay. Stands in there. They lead one touchdown drive. That touchdown drive gets a lot of love from NFL films. Then you go to Zach Wilson's two picks and you're start to saying, even when the Patriots go play the jets and they beat them 12 straight, these are the same old jets for the same reasons we just mentioned. They're not going to turn the ball over like Zach Wilson will, even though Mac is obviously still doing that. They're just not going to lose. They're going to wait you out. Belichick walks off the field. You see the cut to the scene inside the locker room. And they're saying the Patriots still find a way as Belichick knocks off his former team. And he even admitted on WEI today that it's always get to get good to get a win against the Jets. So they're focused on that. Hallis, and then it's on the Colts uh, back home. And we'll see what they come up with next. But you hit all the notes that we expect. I think this is a big game, physical game for sure. And you look at the pick six. I'm sure that's it's a little bit mentioned, but again, if you're telling the story of the Patriots season, they're not going to focus too much on what could have been a very, very big negative. So Patriots Colts Sunday, 1 PM. That will be their last game before a week 10 bye. no mailbag this week. Uh, partly because as you're writing all this up and taking notes and charting and everything, you forget about certain things. And uh, one of them was asked for questions, but I think you've had enough of me. I've had enough of tonight. Time to get ready for the trade deadline. Again, not expecting much, but if they do, shove this episode right back in my face. Tweet at me, whatever. We talked last time. If you want to hear from any certain guests, let me know. This has been fun. It's hard to believe we're halfway through the season or just about. Um, but it's been good. Ups, downs, what more could you ask for? Okay. We will see you again on Friday. No surprise Thursday episodes like we just had with Tommy Kern. A little bit jumbled. Not my best of I'm just being totally honest as far as that goes. Tom's great as always. Um, but we're going to get back to the old format, give you a full-on breakdown and preview of the Colts that you probably want and deserve. And uh, maybe we'll put some fantasy spin on this because I know some of you are on the break. Some of you will have your own trade deadlines and you got to make some moves soon. So until then, enjoy the week. Bladed happy Halloween. And uh, good luck to everybody here with the No Shade November.